Welcome to Chakra Chatter Stephen, powered by Chakra Yoga Studio CDO. A lighthearted and fun side of Chakra Chat. New episodes every Saturday. Hello everyone, good afternoon, and welcome to your Friday afternoon habit. We have hashtag Chakra Chat. And today is a very, very um, interesting uh, day as we have a very informative Chakra Chat session uh, with teacher Kino Reyes. And our topic for today is teaching yoga online, how to protect yourself legally. So at this point, um, before we proceed with uh, before we proceed with our topic for this uh, episode, um, let's just recap first what happened last week. So last week we have our guest teacher, teacher Rachel Bonifacio, and um, we talked about very interesting and very informative session on the importance of our mental health. And I gained a lot of insights from that conversation, and one of which is the importance of looking at our mental health in relation to other aspects of our being and not just compartmentalize it to our mental health, say, for example, our physical and social well-being. The second thing that I learned, uh, which I find important from that conversation, is the essence of reaching out to people and to be constantly being present to others, especially during these trying times. Everyone is having a hard time, and you know, our simple kindness and responses to people would really mean a lot. For today, we're up to a very interesting topic as what I have mentioned earlier, and hopefully can engage our viewers and our guests for today. And our topic is entitled Teaching Yoga at Teaching Yoga Online, How to Protect Yourself Legally. And our guest for today will be uh, shedding light on the important legal implications and aspects of teaching yoga online, as he's not only just a yoga teacher, but a lawyer by profession. Our guest uh, for today has been practicing yoga for more than 10 years and teaching for around seven. He teaches vinyasa and power yoga in various studios in Metro Manila, as well as uh, Yoga for Life. He believes that a yoga practice should adapt to to each person's needs and abilities, which changes day to day. Thus, his yoga practice is constantly evolving and incorporates techniques from the various methods he has practiced over the years. So that's Vinyasa, Jiva Mukti, Anusara, and Ashtanga, among others. So currently, he's based in Cavite, and our guest is a lawyer by profession and an advocate for LGBTQIA plus and HIV policies. So, ladies and gentlemen, let us all welcome our very special guest for today. We have teacher, you know. Hi. Good afternoon. Thank you, Teach, for saying yes and for joining us in our Chakra Chat session. And because it's a very uh, exciting session, we have here again our co-host, uh, Teacher Steven. Hi. Good afternoon. Well, hello. <laughs> Hi, Teacher Kino. Hello. Looking fresh, I see. <laughs> Thank you. It's a lighting. Claim it, claim it. So for today, we have a very uh, para very serious topic of how to protect yourself legally. It's curious, but I think it's very important as well. Pero I asked teacher XP also to be here para may fun side naman yung conversation. <laughs> okay, so let's start our, uh, we always start with our yoga journey in every chakra chat or chakra chapter session. Mm -hmm. So I would like to ask teacher Kino, how did your yoga journey start? Uh, my yoga journey, as you mentioned, started more than 10 years ago. Um, I actually found out about 
the, the intricacies of yoga sa, uh, uh, my former partner was a, was a yoga teacher um, and he suddenly passed away. So um, it, took, it came as a surprise to his family and to myself. And so he was really passionate about uh, yoga. He had left a corporate job in order to become a full-time teacher. And so I told myself that it was up to me to sort of carry on his yoga legacy. And at first, I didn't think I, was, I would make a very good yogi. I didn't even think I would become a teacher because I felt I was really awkward. I was then uh, studying Lopa. I think, yeah, I think I was studying Lopa at the time. And then, so I started practicing yoga. Uh, I had graduated already by that time. And then I, uh, at first, of course, it was mainly as a means to carry on uh, a dear loved one's legacy. But then I actually began to enjoy it. And I began to see the benefits of yoga for me, not just physically, but also mentally. And so that's why I kept at it. Uh, I, I remember I, I started my practice in yoga. I was preparing for the bar exams. So it really helped me to be stressed, to focus, and to really just try to you know, find my zen. And so even after I had taken the bar exams, I had passed, I had started working in law firm, I still kept practicing yoga. And then around, and I started practicing yoga in the gym, actually, because at that time it was the most accessible eh? Um, and then I eventually discovered yoga studios. I started practicing there. Around three years after I had started teaching, I started practicing yoga, the opportunity uh, arrived to, to take yoga teacher training. And that opportunity was courtesy of Yoga for Life, which is the foundation organization which I now represent. And so I took my vinyasa teacher training in Beyond Yoga in Quezon City in 2013. And I, I, um, so I, uh, my, my, our mentor was Anna Carbonell. Um, and so I, so I took that and then eventually I started teaching and I was reminded today in Facebook memories that I thought my very first yoga for life class, which also happened to be my very first yoga class outside of teacher training seven years ago on this very day. <laughs> so it's an anniversary. Actually, it's pretty amazing. And then I haven't stopped teaching since. So Siguro around for the first year, I taught exclusively for Yoga for Life, uh, for the NGO. And then eventually, I got invited to teach in uh, Beyond Yoga and eventually in other yoga studios. So uh, prior to lockdown, I, I was teaching in four different yoga studios all over Metro Manila. Wow. And so now I teach online. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Teach. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's pretty amazing. Oh, pretty amazing. <laughs> oh, I remember because the Facebook reminded me I only had three students <laughs> for my first class. Uh, so, ayun. Ang galeng, no? Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, it's a very special uh, it's a special event for you no, to, to have your anniversary here in Chakra. <laughs> yeah. To hear that. Uh, and uh, I've been following you teach no, in, in some of your uh, yoga classes online. And I, I'm really impressed. And I didn't see feeling awkward. I think it comes through the experience <laughs> of doing it several times already. No? Yeah, uh, teach, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually interested, Teach. Um, we know that most of the yoga teachers and studios uh, teaching yoga online became a response for, you know, finding a safer space to practice yoga. Was this shift a concern to you or uh, were you able to adjust pretty well when uh, the COVID scenario happened? Well, it wasn't that big of a concern for me because, uh, and for our audience, I, I don't teach yoga full-time. So I only teach part-time. So I... I actually work for our family business. I have uh, my legal practice on the side. And then I teach yoga on top of that. So prior to quarantine, I taught around five classes per week, which is just half per week. Because half the week I'm in Manila, half the week I'm in Capite. So when I'm in Manila, those around four days, I teach around five classes per week. Um, and so that's not a lot if you think about it compared to full-time yoga teachers who teach you know, maybe at least two classes per day. So multiply that by six days, then you get the, the number, right? Um, and so it wasn't that big of a concern for me. Um, and I think like most people, 
at the start of quarantine and because also of what we've been told, we expected it to last maybe two months, three months at most, right? So it was mostly just trying to get through the hump. Um, uh, I'm grateful that I have the space to teach yoga. I also have the facility, so I have internet connection and all. Um, but so I really didn't invest in teaching at the start. But when I realized that this quarantine would take a while and the yoga studios would stay closed for a prolonged period of time, that's when I decided that I kind of need to really, you know, invest in it and put more effort in it. So you know, buying whether it's better lighting or a tripod for my phone or a microphone, you know, the things you need in order to effectively uh, or better teach yoga online. So for me at the start, it wasn't uh, really a concern. But as it got uh, longer, the quarantine, I realized, yeah, it is. So I, re- I owe it to my students to give them the best yoga experience possible. Right. Even if it's uh, still online, you still provide the same quality of experience, right? Yes, of course. Because uh, you also have to consider also that... Uh, the I'm gonna say use the term loosely competition for online yoga classes. So you have these subscription services and apps, and so and they're usually uh, foreign. So and talaga dun, it's production value. You know they're in a beautiful, well-lighted space. You know um, all white, and uh, and it's it's um, there's the videography is amazing. The sounds are great. So you have to kind of compete with that, um, and so you kind of have to level up and if possible. Right. Okay, so next question, Teacher Stephen. Uh, yeah, um, Teacher Kino, I know that uh, you've been practicing as a lawyer for, ano na din, for quite a long time. And uh, later, ko na din nalaman na lawyer ka pala nung kasama na tayo sa Yoga for Life. So anyway, um, how does your perspective as a lawyer help you in your yoga practice? Um. This is going to sound a bit negative, but one of my professors in law school, who's now a justice of the Supreme Court, he told us that we're trained as lawyers, uh, especially as UP lawyers, we're trained to think maliciously. That is, we're trained to, and I think all lawyers in general naman, are trained to look at a particular situation and try to see the different scenarios, you know, uh, where the situation could lead, right? Um, and so when I say we, we're trying to think maliciously, we're trying to see what's the worst that could happen in a particular situation. And how do and we do that because we want to know how to protect ourselves and our clients legally in case it goes into that know, right? um, uh, in case it goes into that uh, situation. So whenever I teach yoga, of course, the concern is to make sure that everyone is safe. You know, you don't injure anybody. Because when you injure somebody because of what you do, you expose yourself and the studio that you represent to possible liability, you know, um, damages. Um, and so my concern is always to keep everyone safe. And also, on, on top of that, it's making sure that you are able to deliver what the studio or what you as a yoga teacher prom- promise your students, right? It's sort of like... In, I wouldn't call it an exact warranty, which we call in law, na parang it's uh, you're, you're promising something. But if at least you tell them that this is what's going to happen, then it should approximate that as much as possible, right? Because it's sort of like a contract between you and the student. Eh? When they come to class, if they, for example, they say they sign up for a 75-minute power yoga class, obviously they want to have a 75-minute class where they're sweating, <laughs> right? So if you don't prom- deliver on that promise, then it's not just you know to prevent liability, but also to make sure that you you keep your customers right, um, and uh, build on the goodwill of both the teacher and the studio. So it's always that frame of mind for me. <laughs> so yeah, a bit legal I would say, pero um, I I'm also able to step out of that, naman. Because I mean I was a student long before I was a teacher, mm-hmm. and. I know students are different, right? So, but when I was a student, I always came into the class, you know, with little expectations. I wanted to, you know, be surprised. So I wanted to let the teacher do his or her thing and all that. But some students don't. Eh? They come to class expecting something. Right. So I also try to cater to that. If, if they want this, then I have to deliver that as well. Yeah. And uh, I, I really 
uh, I really like how you mentioned it that uh, as lawyers you were trained to think maliciously uh, <laughs> no? because diba, in, in yoga we parang different yung mindset natin you, we look at the good diba? parang nag-away <laughs> yung parang perspective mo teach you know, about it uh, uh, as a lawyer and as a teacher Hindi naman siya nag-aaway. I think it's, uh, and I think also, yoga is also about a healthy balance. Eh. And, you know, I always, so I always say this in my class. The negative thoughts will come. You know what I mean? The negative feelings will come. And they're all your thoughts. Actually, all your thoughts and your emotions are valid. Whether they're positive or negative is something that you bring to the emotion. So sadness per se, it's not a negative emotion. It's actually, all emotions are neutral. So happiness, sadness, we just tend to think that happiness is always positive, sadness is always negative. But of course, as, as we know, every, it's not black and white, you know. If you're always positive, it could be toxic, toxic positivity. And sometimes you need to feel sad in order to appreciate um, things in your life or to grow. So for me, it's about finding that good balance, um, recognizing things for, for what they are, and trying to both see the good and the bad in them. and learn from them. Galing. Okay. <laughs> Great. Sige, Teach, um, let's go, uh, let's dwell deeper now on the topic at hand. Sure. Uh, as a lawyer, uh, can you tell us uh, what are the legal types and perhaps issues that uh, yoga teachers should watch out for, uh, especially right now that we're teaching online and How can uh, yoga teachers uh, perhaps mitigate these particular concerns? Okay, sure. I think the first thing that uh, yoga teachers should, or those who are thinking of teaching yoga online should consider is whether you should teach to begin with. And I say this because I've seen, because now it's everybody's online, you know, and you can, be, you can refer to yoga or to physical training, you know, um, for gym trainers and all uh, and other uh, instructors for, you know, for fitness classes. Um, and for yoga teachers in particular, you should ask yourself whether just because everybody's doing it, you, should you be doing it as well? Because I've seen situations where Uh, people teach yoga, and I, for one, know that these people are not trained to teach. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to disparage anyone, right? But, um, and to give a framework, you know, for, especially for our viewers who are not familiar, teaching yoga in the Philippines is not regulated by the government. Unlike, for example, in Australia, where it is, where you need to have a particular number of training hours Uh, and you need to be registered with a particular institution in order to be able to teach professionally. In the Philippines, that's not the case. So yoga in the Philippines is, I would think, at best, it's self-regulatory. Um, and so traditionally, um, and sort of like uh, people expect, especially for certain types of yoga, like uh, vinyasa or power, that you would have at least 200 hours of training uh, before you can teach professionally, right? Of course, it's not the case. Situation, it depends on, like, it's for yin yoga, I understand, it's for them, it's like just 50 hours. Um, and for example, in Ashtanga, it's different completely. It's not about teacher training. It's about going to the KPJI school in Mysore every year and, you know, being allowed to teach by the, the head of that school, Sharad Choi. So it depends on the type of yoga. But generally, Um, for the uh, vinyasa school of yoga, it's like generally it's 200 hours. You need to take the training, right? Um, and there's no required certification. I know that uh, Yoga Alliance is the most universally or worldwide recognized uh, certification for yoga teachers, but it's not really a requirement here. So it depends uh, if your students expect you to have a certification, if the studios that you're affiliated with expect you to have a certification or not. There are pros and cons to being certified, and I think we don't, shouldn't go into that. But generally, people expect you to be trained to teach. And for me, that's very important, and I would like to emphasize that. Because it's one thing to be good in practicing yoga, and there are people who are naturally good at it, you know, especially those with a uh, sports or dance background, right? They're naturally strong and flexible or from years of training, and that's good. But it's one thing to do it, and it's another thing to teach it. Because yoga is still a physical practice. So you will ask people to do certain things with their bodies. And the first thing, the most important thing for me is to make sure that you're doing it safely. And that's the biggest uh, 
lesson you will learn from teacher training is how to be able to teach yoga in a safe manner. You know, it's not just about telling them to do some shapes with their bodies, right? It's about recognizing that each body is different and about um, making sure that there are options for different bodies to at least mimic the shape you want them to take to get the benefit of that shape, right? Um, and it's also in teacher training where, for example, you learn the special, uh, special needs of certain individuals, you know, whether it's pregnant women, um, people with common injuries, whether it's sciatica or, you know, a tennis elbow or, you know, a frozen shoulder, you know, it, these are the things you learn in a formal teacher training, which you might uh, not be familiar with. So even if you do practice stuff like that, you really won't get from a regular yoga class. You really get it from a specialized teacher training. So the best way to protect yourself, I think, is to train, is to know how to teach. So that in your in a, one of your students in class, for example, tells you na, oh, actually I have this condition, this uh, medical condition, then you would know how to address it, right? Because the last thing you want is to force everyone to do the same thing, do a particular shape, and then injure one of your students. Because you know nobody wants that, right? Um, you not just expose yourself to liability, but also the studio. So for example, the student can sue you or, or the yoga studio that you represent. Um, so for me, that's a very important thing to be to 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 train to be actually have the training, um, and, and it applies also not just to you know recognizing the needs of people, but also to how you deliver, how you cue your your students. Um, you know, there's a in my teacher training at least there was a big focus on how to be able to say things clearly. Um, and to do it in a way that the students will understand and will be able to get the benefits of the pose. And again, if you just simply take yoga classes, you will get some of that, don't get me wrong, but you won't get all of it, what you really need in order to uh, cue students. That also applies in particular in, uh, in vinyasa and related schools, sequencing, which is also important. Like there's a bulk of yoga teacher training is about sequencing. What poses come before or after other poses? And that's crucial because you need to know how to make sure that the students aren't, don't, again, don't injure themselves when they come to certain poses. And also to allow them to get the maximum benefits for the poses because of that sequencing. Actually, that's the, way, that's a, that's the literal translation of vinyasa, eh, to put in a particular order. So it's not just because, oh, this looks good together. This looks, you know, you look, go on Instagram, you see, oh, that's a beautiful looking flow. But what looks good online might not feel good in real life. So there's, uh, there's, a, there's an entire philosophy uh, behind these things. So the first step is really, to, to have the training, right? Um, and, and don't get me wrong, it's not required naman. But even if you don't have the training and you want to teach, I would suggest that you be very candid about it, you know? Because a lot of times, especially online, right? when you post videos or pictures and students see that you, you're doing it, they automatically assume na, oh, you might, you're good at this, you're probably a teacher, you're probably trained, you know, whatever. Um, and so I would suggest that you be candid na, uh, actually, I haven't done training. I, I, I just practice yoga, and you know, so that they don't have a false impression of what you can offer them. Um, and this is also something I apply in my in my life because uh, I also do you know weight training. And I, when the gyms were open, I used to go to the gym a lot. And then people would see and they would ask me, you know, for you know uh, workouts in the gym. And my the first thing I always tell them, and maybe it's because I'm a lawyer, is there's a disclaimer that I am not a trained personal trainer. I do not have, what I do, I learn from my own trainer. I have developed over time. There's no assurance that what I do will have the results for you. You know what I mean? So it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's managing expectations. Mm -hmm. So if you want to teach, but you don't have the training, it's up to you, you know? Um, but just manage expectations. Don't lead people to think that you are one thing when in fact you are not. Um, and this, I know, and the next, after that also, I would suggest that all yoga teachers also protect themselves by uh, having sufficient release waiver and quit claims. So as again, as I mentioned earlier, yoga is a physical practice. You know, you do things with your body. And so as much as you, you're trained to teach, 
and you do the best to have the best sequence to um, explain it in the most clear way possible, the clearest way possible, there's still a possibility that people can get injured, you know, um, not everything is within your control. And so you want to make sure that there is a legal document that protects you. So um, a release waiver quit and quit claim uh, for uh, our viewers is a document which uh, is signed, whether physically or electronically, by the student saying that in case of injury, then that student will not sue you or claim money from you or the studio. Um, and that's something that they, of their own free will. Because if they don't want to sign it, then it's okay. Thank you very much. But you can attend the class. You know what I mean? There are other teachers and other classes out there. Um, but generally, it's something that, you, that I would highly, highly suggest to make sure you have a, a pretty solid uh, release waiver and quickly. Know that the document, the, the waiver, is not naman, uh, an automatic 100% escape diba? <laughs> from liability. If you do make a mistake, you can still open yourself up to liability. But it protects you substantially compared to if there, the situations where there's no, there's no waiver. Um, so there's that too. So I would suggest that you collect those, make sure those are um, signed either in person or electronically by your students. So you can do that by either um, having them actually giving them a copy, having them sign, scan it to you, then you know put it in your records. You can also have a disclaimer for your yoga classes, right? Like uh, for example, if you have a website or maybe in if you're using Zoom or Google Meet or something in the chat box, you can specifically say in number one, by attending this yoga class, you agree to the following. So Isadon is that you, the student agrees not uh, to, releases the, the teacher in the studio from any liability in case of So there's that. And then in addition to that, I would suggest that you still say those things at the start of every yoga class. Because a lot of your students really don't care about the fine print. And that's okay. I mean, really, who reads these things in real life, right? Um, but you still say it. And that's still something I say how many years after I start? At the start of every yoga class, even if the students, I know all of them already, I still say it. You know, I still give them my usual disclaimers that I will offer options for the poses. You can take easier options. Um, I always say that you can rest at any time. Don't force yourself. If there's pain in any of the poses, back away from the pose. Rest or take an easier version. You know, it's probably like what? If you have a spiel night, 30 seconds to at most one minute of your time. But then nobody can say that they weren't informed. <laughs> you know? So that's very important for me. Just to remind students of that. Um, and it also sets the tone, eh? I feel, that, you know, this is, a, this is a serious thing that we're doing. You know, yeah, sure, yoga is it's, it's fun, but it's also not something that's just walala, you know. So when you start by saying these are our rules, these are what we agree upon, then it gives an additional value, I think, to the practice and to the class. And it tells your students na, you know, take this seriously naman. Not too serious, but at least seriously. So there. So that's another important consideration. And also, I think one thing that a lot of people don't focus on is data privacy, um, especially now that we're online. And you know, before when we were for yoga teachers who teach in studios or gyms, it's the studio or the gym that handles all the data and information that you're getting from your students: their names, their addresses, their um, email addresses, their numbers, you know, all of these things, if they have any injuries, or their, their age, birth date of birth. So it's somebody, usually it's somebody else that handles the data. But now that we're online, especially if you're offering your own classes personally without um, being affiliated with the studio, then you need to be able to know how to collect that data and to handle that data. Um, because data has value. And of course, Data, some data is very private, like date of birth and all those things. So you need to be able to hand collect it and to handle it and to safeguard it. Make sure that it's not, you know, it's not easily hackable or it's not available to people who don't need access to that data. And under Philippine data, uh, data privacy laws, you are required to tell your students or your clients why you're getting the data, how long you're using the data, 
in an, a way for them to tell you that they want you to dispose of the data. So in, for some instances, you can, uh, for example, if you're in a studio, you can have a data privacy officer who handles that. But if you're doing it by yourself, there's a one-man team. So you should be able to do it. So, you know, if, for example, tell your students that, uh, you know, I'm collecting your name, I'm collecting your age, I'm collecting your email address, and maybe even your payment information in order to provide you with better services and so that you don't have to keep on doing this in with every class. You know what I mean? Um, and then I'm keeping the data for... Uh, a maximum of two years. And then after that, I will um, destroy the data unless we continue with the services. And of course, you can change the period, right? Um, and you can also make it, for example, that after your, uh, the, the, for example, they enroll for three months and you can say after your enrollment, after three months, then I will dispose of the data. And then you can tell them that in any, in, in, in any, in any time that you want you know, us to dispose of the data, then you can send an email to this address or you can um, call this number and we'll do that for you. Um, so that's required too. You need to be able to uh, manage the data of your students uh, very professionally. Um, and then, so there, of course, uh, in speaking of data privacy, there's also like real privacy because a lot of times when we're doing uh, yoga online, whether you're using Zoom or Google Meet or some other meeting platform, some students will want their video to be on, right? Because mm -hmm. you can cue your students looking at them from the, uh, in your screen, you can tell them, oh, you know, stack your knee over your ankle or, you know, do certain things, engage your core, you know, find um, safe, uh, make sure, basically cue them so that they're safe or they come to a fuller expression of the pose or they get the maximum benefit of the pose. Um, but the thing is, since we don't have control over a lot of uh, our, the technology, some other students may also have access to what you see, right? To not just the image of your students, but also their homes, um, their children, you know what I mean? So maybe some things they don't want other people to see. So you need to be aware of that and to be able to try to um, safeguard the privacy of your students. Um, of course, a lot of times when we start with a class, the students know na naman eh, na this person likes to keep their video on, this person likes to keep their video off. And for the people who like to keep their video on, they, they have an idea na naman. But it's best to remind them that uh, you know, other students might see your background or might see you, you know what I mean? So if you're uncomfortable, you can choose to keep your video off. But if you rather keep them, keep it on, it's up to you. That's your choice too. But just know that um, there are pros and cons to each option. Um, and also, of course, in Zoom, there's a, a meeting room, right? So make sure that the, no uh, stranger enters the yoga room, sorry, the meeting room and just decides to just watch the students, right? And I've heard horror stories of that happening, actually, especially during the early parts when we were still very correct, correct. technology. <laughs> Some person would come in and they would literally, there would be flashers. Like people would show their private parts in a yoga class. And these, aren't even, these are from abroad. You don't even know who these people are. They just found your link for some reason and they decided to you know, gate crash your yoga class and expose themselves. And nobody wants that. Thankfully, I haven't heard that in a while because I think people have been uh, uh, have gotten used to the procedure. But make sure that doesn't. I mean, try to prevent that from happening. Uh, so there. Uh, also, make sure that the privacy is uh, um, you're still uh, safeguarding your students' privacy. Um, and I think uh, maybe the last thing is also. Uh, making sure that you are properly registered for taxes. And this is such a boring subject, but this has to be mentioned. Because you've heard this, right? Because of the, the quarantine, like the number of people selling goods and services all online has skyrocketed, right? Especially, we you know, all these home bakers, these plant sellers, you know. Um, so everyone's doing it online now. And even before, for example, if you're teaching yoga in a studio or... So some other person may be handling your taxes, you know, filing the tax forms and all that. But now if you're doing it at home, then you have to do that yourself, right? So just make sure that your tax registration is correct, you know, whether you're um, a self-employed individual or you're 
uh, earning income from multiple sources, whether you have a day job plus teaching yoga on the side. So, you know, your registration affects what forms you, you file. So there could be the, the, the income tax returns could be either annual or quarterly, whether you're VAT registered, which is a monthly registration and a quarterly registration. Yeah, I know it sounds very technical, but it's also important to make sure that, again, that, you know, that you're not, the BIR doesn't run after you. <laughs> um, because that's a concern for a lot of people with online businesses now. And the BIR has, has, has mentioned, siguro mga around two or three months ago, that they will be more strict moving forward. They understand that people are moving online. But in order to protect yourself fully, you have to be aware of that. And if you think that's a bit um, daunting, that task, those tasks, then know that you can always refer to professionals, you know, accountants or tax lawyers who can help you in this regard. Um, but of course, people who, once you, get it, once you get it started, you know, the proper registration, you can start doing it yourself. It takes some getting used to, but um, it's something that you can also learn after some time. Yeah. I think those are very extensive speech. Yes, correct, important. Sorry, I love a lot of people don't think about those things, you know. But the concern is always to teach and to make people happy, to make yoga accessible to a lot of people, and that is great. Don't get me wrong, but you also want to make sure that you are protected and your students are protected. Each, I, I just have a follow-up question regarding sure. the waiver. Uh, like, for example, there are some classes that are handled like in Facebook or YouTube or Instagram. Uh, do they still need to have like a waiver even if it's just uh, electronically or like comment on the comment section below? Parang ganon. Uh, paano yung waiver pag mga live classes in social media? Um, generally, I've seen that, um, for example, if there's a website or uh, it's a Facebook page or an Instagram profile. You can find, you can connect a link there eh, to the general waiver. Uh, you can also do it in the in, in a, you know click this link to see the waiver by attending the class. Then you agree to what's in the waiver. Um, to be safer, you can post that for every class in the for example, the first comment in the class or in the actual write up for the post. You can see, you can add a link saying that by attending this class, you agree to the following. Click here. Yung mga bitly para short lang siya. Merong mga ganon. Um, so, hindi naman required that, you know, print, sign, scan, email. Hindi naman kailangan. Um, but generally, it's better kung meron. Um, and I think it's also, pag, pag, pag public yung class, if it's a very public class naman, it's just the, the I think the people recognize naman that they're not paying for the, for the, for the service and that it's, um, open level, you know what I mean? And then there, there's no real uh, communication with the teacher, you know, if it's a live class, you know, unlike, for example, in a, in, a, in a regular class where a student can tell the teacher, I'm a beginner or I have a wrist injury. In a live class, wala nang ganun eh. So yeah. then they assume the risk that they might be injured by doing these things, right? Um, but then again, it's always important at the start of the class for the teacher to mention these things that you can always modify your poses, you can always rest, and that none of the poses should be painful. Right. I think that's a very, for me, that's one of the, uh, parang, that struck me in, in, in your discussion, teach, no? Because like uh, we in the Chakra Yoga Studio have been giving like live classes, and sometimes, uh, we're too conscious of the time that we forget to mention at the very beginning of the class this important things. No, so, but it it caught my attention, and I, I remembered um, look uh, watching a YouTube uh, video teach, and then I saw that even sa YouTube uh, video niya, meron siyang waiver after the introduction of the teacher, parang ganon. So very important, talaga. No? And it's also, I know, um, I think it's also, it's not just from, from a legal perspective, it's great, but it also makes yoga uh, more accessible, I would think. Because by telling your students that, you know, you can modify, it doesn't have to be the way that you see me do it. It also tells them that it doesn't have to be so extreme. Because a lot of times when you see yoga online, especially on Instagram, you know, people do quite extreme poses already. And if students think if students think that that's that's the only thing that's possible, then that's when they really expose themselves to injury. 
or that's they might be turned off to begin with. The parang I don't, I can't do that. You know, I just rather not practice yoga to begin with. But when you tell them that, you know, you can modify, you can make things easier, then you make the environment safer for them and more comfortable for them. Right. How about you, Teacher XP? Any realizations and perhaps a follow-up question? I think it's a reminder lang siguro. Kasi I've been doing that then yung teacher Kino na parang you tell the students na eto what are the and parang disclaimer bago yung class. But since the pandemic, um, siguro nakalimutan. So I think it's very important. And ano din, um, this topic is really interesting, no? Parang <laughs> nag-ano nga ako ngayon eh. Parang may mga notes nga ako <laughs> sinuskulat. Kasi it's really important. And then um, we hope also that um, mo- most of us, especially here sa Pilipinas, at diba, iba din yung ano natin. Uh, parang wala pa tayong, uh, ano pa na ba yan? Parang how we are protected here in the Philippines compared to other countries. So it's really different. So at, at least that's, very um i know this very informative thank you teacher kino <laughs> well thank thank you thank you steven for thinking that it's interesting because a lot of people will probably be thinking it's boring <laughs> but thank you for saying <laughs> that's interesting, interesting. <laughs> um and oh, actually oh, oh, you oh. mentioned that in other countries alam ko when i say these things parang people are like some yoga teachers or fitness professionals who want to teach online might feel you know parang oh my god this is so daunting Um, but they shouldn't think about it. Once, because once you once you establish your, I know your 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 base, or once you set up the process, it's easy. Nay, the start may be a little bit uh, difficult, you know, getting used to. But once it's there, the registration or whatever, all your um, data privacy uh, protocols are in place, your waiver, then it becomes regular and it becomes easier. Um, and actually, we're in a way we're lucky that we're teaching yoga in the Philippines because again, it's not as regulated as it is abroad. In other countries, not only will you have to be registered with the government, you also have to have insurance um, because if you injure a student, then the insurance will cover the injury. Here, it's not that required. I don't know any yoga studio here in the Philippines that requires the teachers or insures the teachers, right? To, um, so in other countries that's required and it costs a lot of money so right. buti na lang sa atin walang ganon right um, so pros and cons din naman we just want to make it as safe for everyone as possible that's correct teach me yeah. I attended a yoga teacher training online uh, and um, I, I remember my teacher mentioning uh, and really emphasizing the point on insurances So even in the package that you uh, that you uh, that you purchase for the yoga teacher training, kasama na yung parang package for para discounted insurance, which I think is quite foreign to me because here in the Philippines, hindi tayo masadong nag-emphasize dun sa insurance na aspect. And I mean, we're also lucky in a way that Filipinos are not very litigious or you don't yeah. go to court quickly. When it comes to these things, sa papakiusapan pa you know, because I've seen it, it's seen it happen. You know, people get injured. It's a natural thing, you know what I mean. It's a small possibility, but it has happened over, you know. Um, and thankfully, naman, no, I don't think <laughs> I haven't heard of any yoga teacher or yoga studio being sued here in the Philippines. Ah, but abroad, kasi there are quite litigious. Eh, Konting issue lang, you know, I'm gonna sue you, whatever. Then they're gonna try to settle. Here, naman, thankfully, hindi ganon. So, um, yeah. Uh, that's something. That's another thing to be grateful for. Pero each, I think, uh, I would like to also para uh, emphasize the point you mentioned earlier. Na uh, the difference between pre-COVID and what we're having now as our new normal is that before the yoga studios are the one who handles the mga waivers, de ba? Parang ganon, but. Since it's already online, we're at the forefront already. We teach and do the other administrative work yeah. that was supposed to be handled by uh, an external partner, an internal partner or something. You know? So para the work now becomes more extensive as compared to before. Definitely, definitely. Um, but I think that shouldn't be off-putting naman for those who want to teach yoga online. Because again, yeah. once you... Um, you know, you set up your foundation, it becomes easy after. It's just difficult at the start. The first step is always the hardest. But once you've taken that step and your foundation is solid, it becomes easy. Na 
right. So here, Teacher XT, we have a guest uh, waiting in our backstage. Yeah, so um, can we welcome Teacher Bry? You can turn on your camera. Perhaps you have a question. Hello, Teacher Bry. I, I was waiting for other teachers. Eh? There we go. Hi. Hello, Teacher Bry. If you have a question for Teacher Kino, feel free to ask. Teach you don't have an audio book. Uh -oh. hmm. Earphones? <laughs> ah, sa earphones, okay. wala siyang audio. You uh, can type your questions na lang there. <laughs> but thank you for joining us, Brian. Thank you. you. Oh, oh. Just ko, isa yan sa mga nasabihan. <laughs> Sige, Teacher Guido, while waiting for Teacher Bry, um, mm -hmm. do you have some anecdotes that you can share or a case perhaps like common concerns, perhaps legal concerns coming from yoga teachers and, you know, teaching yoga, uh, uh, yoga studios rather, that uh, face some concerns on mga legal-related issues? Um, wala naman. Although, you know, it's a yoga in the Philippines, yoga teaching is a fairly small <laughs> industry and community. So we all kind of know each other. So when the quarantine started, and I, I saw it also pick up it. I have some friends who've asked me now, oh, hey, can you help me with these things? So eventually, it's gonna, the start point is lang eh, but over time, dumami na yung mga ginawa ko na mga waiver and mga iba-ibang mga forms, di ba? So um, I think people have really learned over time. Eh. When we realized that this quarantine was going to last a while, that's when we really started to set up the foundation for teaching online. Um, and so far, naman parang okay. I, uh, one example, I have a friend who I drafted uh, some documents for, and I see that her classes are doing very well. So, um, na following. Um, and ang magaling kasi sa kanya, she's really, I know, like she, she thinks of it really as a business, you know, like um, there's a brand, you know, there's marketing. And another aspect of it, of course, the legal aspect, right? So if you really think of yourself, um, if you want to take this very seriously, you know, you want to be the next Brian e. Smith or Dylan Werner, right? Um, then you need to set up your foundation. It's one thing to, you know, post great videos and photos online. Um, it's one thing to, you know, always look great, have a great setup, you know, have ring lights, a beautiful background. But don't forget that what's behind the camera is also as important as what's in front of it. So make sure that all your registrations, all your uh, documents, all your processes are um, covered so that you're, you can really grow. Because um, right now, you know, a lot of us, are, are, a lot of yoga teachers are kind of on their own because a lot of the studios have closed, right? So if you really want to grow, then think of all these difficult steps as necessary in order for you to grow. Right. And uh, that note, teach, no, uh, Teacher Bride mentioned uh, her gratitude for you. No, everything you're talking about is so important and applicable for all classes, not just for online. So yeah, I Thank think you. that uh, aside from it's a refresher, it's really informative teach. No. Uh, I really learned a lot. It was very, just a very quick na parang snippets of what you have mentioned. How about you, Teacher XP? Um, Nag-iisip pa ako eh kung meron ba akong tanong. <laughs> <laughs> Pero so far, um, yung mga questions ko naman, nasagot naman ng Teacher Kino, especially though, so waiver, yung mga ganun, oh my God, it's really important. And then, yeah, reminder lang din sa atin, di ba? Na, just be very, kasi magpahirap na alam mo naman ngayon and then yung sa taxes din medyo magulo din kasi yan eh mm -mm, magulo siya so ano, i would suggest ano yan, actually matabaho. talk to an accountant <laughs> kasi <laughs> you know and i mean Stephen and i we have, we have friends who are you know like for example Bambi who's a makeup artist prior to becoming a yoga teacher so she's she knows na eh. she you know she has official receipts she has registration you know what i mean so uh -huh. if you're new to this, parang isipin mo, sheesh, I need pala a receipt. You know, you can only have your receipt printed by our BIR 
authorized printing press. You know what I mean? There's a separate form. There's a separate approval just for that. You know, it just seems really, really complicated. But again, it's something that's hard at the start. But once you finish that, um, and then it becomes easier moving forward. Just think of it as a necessary hump in the road. Right. To teach while teacher exit may might have think of other uh, questions related to the legal concerns that we have talked about earlier. Let's now focus on your advocacy teach. Sure. No? Uh, can you tell us why you are so passionate about the LGBTQIA plus and your participation in yoga yoga for life and uh, what led you in fighting this cause? Um, let's, let's start with the yoga first. No? Uh, so again, I started with yoga in a gym. Eh? So it was uh, very physical. There wasn't that much philosophy. And then when I joined Yoga for Life, I, I was introduced uh, to Yoga for Life by one of its uh, incorporators. Um, and then that's when the first time I realized that yoga could actually be more than a physical thing. It could also just be not personal. It could be a way of connecting with other people or a way to serve other people. And that's what I saw in Yoga for Life. So for those who are unfamiliar for our viewers, Yoga for Life is a non-stop, non-profit foundation that provides yoga classes primarily to people living with HIV. But the classes are open to everyone. So we don't ask um, people what their HIV status is. I mean, it's open to everyone, but if people want to disclose to us, then that's, that's their choice. Um, but our target market is primarily people living in HIV. So when we structure our classes, we always make sure to have um, our target market in mind, right? Not just for the physical poses, but also for the meditation and for the themes for our classes. Um, but of course, anybody can benefit from the classes. Um, and then and that was pretty uh, groundbreaking for me to attend yoga classes that are not just, you know, more is more, you know, sweat more, do more, you know, do these crazy things. Um, and I found a community in Yoga for Life. So there are advocates who are really trying to help um, people living with HIV. Um, and we think of yoga as a complementary therapy for people living with HIV. So people living with HIV um, have antiretroviral treatments or ARTs, which is a cocktail of uh, medication that they take in order to uh, suppress uh, the, the disease. Um, and then yoga helps with that. So it helps not just on a physical level, but also on an emotional and a mental level. So I started with Yoga for Life as a student. And then I became a volunteer because we used to have all sorts of different projects like mass yoga practices um, and all sorts of things. And then eventually I became a teacher um, and then I volunteered also as corporate secretary, as legal counsel for the foundation. Eventually I was elected president. And so um, I've kind of like gone up the yoga for life corporate ladder. Um, and it really is, and in Yoga for Life, we don't really measure our success in terms of attendance. Again, people can come, people can go. We don't know whether what their HIV status is. But we do, we are heartened by stories of our students who you tell us, who disclose their status and tell us that we made a big impact on their lives. Um, we've helped them become healthier. We've had stories where people would be really sick um, they would have low-grade fever every day because their uh, CD4 count, which is a, a measure of how good your immune system is, would be really low, and we've seen it improve. Uh, we've seen people improve um, on an emotional level. Um, we've had some students who were dealing with uh, substance abuse who've been very candid about that, and they tell us that yoga has helped them recover from that and become sober. Um, and so it's really more anecdotal, students telling us that we've made an impact on their lives. And that's what drives us. So it doesn't matter if there's just one student in class, we're still going to have that class. Because that student might need us. You never really know, right? And so that's also what has kept me in the advocacy. Uh, not only have I made not just friends, but really a family in Yoga for Life, but I've also been able to 
really improve the lives of so many other other people um and that's uh and that's very heartening for me uh, and as for the lgbtq lgbtqia plus advocacy well i i am a member of the lgbtqia plus community um and i i know firsthand how it feels to be um treated less just because you're a member of the community whether it's in a professional setting or a social setting um and so i told myself that if there's a way to help advance the lgbtq advocacy then i'll i'll do it um and so you know it's it starts with small things and also i want to i, I want to tell this to tell this to our viewers who are thinking of uh becoming involved in any particular advocacy that you know it doesn't have to be big at the start if you just volunteer actually if you just attend whether it's you know an online um, discussion or chat or a seminar and then it builds up from there you can then help organize that chat or seminar and you become a regular member of the organization and then for the next thing you know you're helping you know draft uh, municipal ordinances protecting <laughs> LGBTQIA members of the community. You know, it just starts small and then you build up. Um, right now, I'm also legal counsel and I'm a member of the executive board of the Philippine LGBT Chamber of Commerce, which is a group of um, uh, professionals and businesses um, that are helping advance. Uh, LGBTQIA plus friendly policies in the Philippines. So we have members who are, you know, big multinationals, and we also have members who are entrepreneurs who are starting out startups. Um, and our goal is to provide them with, well, first of all, to connect them to others with the same uh, advocacy or the same uh, worldview, and so that they can help each other because it's a, usually how chambers of commerce are. But more than that, it's, it's we mean to empower them. Um, to provide them with best practices and methods in order to make their organizations uh, more inclusive, uh, more diverse, and to make the working environment more comfortable for all their employees, regardless of sexual orientation or, or gender. Um, and so that's, what's, uh, that's what the organization does. And we have some more projects. There are projects for the Chamber of Commerce, halo-halo, uh, everything from academic research to, on, to we also have uh, uh, seminars, which are now online. Actually, we're, debuting, we're, we're premiering one on Sunday. Um, and so, yeah, so it's a, a mixed bunch of activities. Um, and we're excited because we're, despite the pandemic, despite the quarantine, all the projects have are continuing, not just for Yoga for Life, but also for the LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Right. Thank you very much, Teach. No, it has been really a pleasure to listen to your yoga journey, to some of your uh, legal expertise, and also your advocacy. So, yeah. That, uh... Very concise, Teacher Kino. Thank you so Thank much. You. <laughs> but before we go to the fun side, um, I just want to uh, ask you, kung, uh, I mean, to invite the viewers, kung saan kanila makikita, your social media, then di ba, um, before the pandemic, meron ka ng Instagram. <laughs> so, Actually, so, uh, if you have upcoming events or like yung, um, yung show na LG, uh, LGBT and then Many other things that you're involved with. Oh, thank you. Actually, yeah, Stephen yeah. is right. I'm a late, I'm a late Instagram Instagrammer. <laughs> I resisted for a while, but nowadays required na yata siya eh, for everyone doing online activities. So um, you can find me. I'm on Facebook at uh, Kino Reyes. So that's Q U I N O. So my real name is Joaquin. So Kino is my nickname. Kino Reyes. Um, hopefully, you can see it there in, in the screen where my name might show up. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Kino, Q-U-I-N-O dot Reyes. Um, and yeah, if you have any questions with regard to yoga, I'll try to answer them. With regard to law, I'll try to answer them without necessarily creating uh, a lawyer-client relationship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of disclaimers, but I know even at this part of the show. But yeah, um, feel free to send me a message, and I'll if you need any resources with regard to 
um, HIV AIDS, um, whether it's treatment or prevention or testing, we can certainly refer you to um, the proper organizations. Um, same thing with LGBTQIA plus issues. Um, we can we can address it ourselves or also refer you to organizations more capable of doing that. So we're all, our, uh, our lines are always open for you. Okay. So thank you very much once again, Teacher Kino. For thank you, Teacher Kino. Chakra Chat uh, episode for today. And as mm -hmm. as we end our class, we place our arms together. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, teacher. Bye. Yeah, thank you. So we're now going offline. Thank you very much to our viewers and hope to see you.